can always somebody told me that you can always tell the Catholic cars, right? Because they have the rosaries dangling from dangling from the rearview mirror. Welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. I'm your co-host Dennis, and I'm your other co-host Robert, and we're just a couple of guys talking the Catholic faith over a pint or two of our favorite beers. So why don't you pull your pour yourself a pint? pull up a chair and listen in for the next little while as we take the faith seriously but not necessarily ourselves and as always if you want to take part in the conversation or have an idea for the podcast leave us a comment or swing by our facebook page and drop us a message dennis buddy how you doing this time robert how you doing we're in an afternoon session as opposed to a night session are we not yeah thanks be to god it's yes. uh the the evening sessions, as much as I, I enjoy them, it's just by the time we get around to them, right. I, I'm just exhausted. Yeah, it's a little late in the night, I know. I, I mean, most of our guests are in the evening, but when we do it just ourselves, well, yeah, we can we can move it around a bit, a day or two, correct? Oh, exactly. And we were slated to go last night, but at mm-hmm. the end of a, a busy work week, we were both just too tired. And uh, you wanted to spend a little bit of time with your wife and, yes. and myself the same. And again, our, our first vocation is as husbands. And that always takes priority, uh, even over something as fantastic as the Pints and Pews podcast. That's right. That's right. And right now, actually, I could have been at the Raptors fourth playoff game against Philadelphia 76ers, but I chose Pints and Pews, Robert, because of yourself. Yeah, well, I mean, it's only going to be the last game of the season for them. I, think, I know, from, I know. Not, not that yes. I'm a big basketball fan. Basketball is not really not your uh, cup of tea. Not my cup of tea. Uh, it's not my pint of stout. Um, no. But I, I will bring my own game, my own sport into the mix here. You jumped on the bandwagon a few years ago when the Raptors won the world championships, didn't you? You probably did. You probably caught a couple of games at least. I waved at the bandwagon as it drove by. Yeah, uh, yeah, I didn't catch really any of the games. Was I excited for the city and was I excited for the team and what it meant to to everybody that had been a Raptors fan since day one? Yes. Yes, yes. absolutely. Yeah, it's fun to watch. Uh, the same way, and I'm going to be talking a little bit about hockey in a, in a couple minutes. Well, they knocked uh, out Philadelphia three years ago to get to that uh, to the finals, and now it looks like Philadelphia is going to get there. Uh, just desserts, so get, to speak. Get, get their revenge. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Hockey is my sport, and right. uh, I'm going to be talking about you know, my the team. The, the, no, I'm going to be talking about my team, the Montreal Canadiens, in a couple minutes. But again, uh, the, the Maple Leafs uh, haven't won a Stanley Cup since uh, either one of us was born. That's either right. One of our That's lifetimes. right. Long but time. you know what? If the Toronto Maple Leafs were to pull that off and win the Stanley Cup, I'd mm-hmm. be just as excited as the next guy for the city because it's just it's just something you never thought you would see in your lifetime no no and how does a guy from north of toronto end up as a montreal canadians fans who never lived any time in in quebec or montreal per quoi well that's french for our listeners for why (laughs) just in case the the only word a french dennis knows no um i know more he's lying i mean part of it is uh, you can want to say culturally yes, yes. growing up in a, in a, a partially french canadian yeah french canadian family my father was french canadian my mother was english canadian so it was kind of a, a house divided in some right. ways uh if you will but also too growing up through the 70s and into the early 80s those were the glory days of they, the montreal canadians <laughs> they right? won a lot yes they did they yeah, won and, what, and five and or I, six I, 
And I am going to talk a little bit about that in a minute. But uh, I, I, there were a couple of things I wanted to bring up with you, Dennis. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Some some business, uh, business. If, if you housekeeping, want, if you will, some, some housekeeping, if you you would like, uh, before we get started. Now, normally when we get started, we put our shout outs here at the beginning of the show. Right. Um, I'd like to move those to the end of the show. Uh, our shout outs, and for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, and I noticed it last time. Uh, with our guests, but I kind of notice this each and every time with our guests, when we start rambling on about our shout outs, before we even introduce our guests, you can see them sitting there kind of, okay, when are these guys going to be over and done with? So, you know, it, it will allow us to get us to our guests sooner, but it will also allow us to get to grace before beer and our beverage That's sooner as well. Two good reasons. And, and we know uh, how dry mouth you get and, and Absolutely. anxious to, to get to that. So we'll move that to the, to the back end. Now, thinking of our, our beers, young man, I'm going to open mine now and pour, and I'm going to take my, my customary picture of the beer that I send out as a, a little advertisement for the episode uh, beforehand. And then once I've done that, if you wanted to uh, pour and introduce your beer, I'm not going to introduce my beer until after grace before beer, because I've got a bit of a story that goes along with it. And again, we want to have our first sip before yeah, this so turns into an evening episode instead let's of an pray, episode. Let's pray, and then we'll uh, we'll get into the. And you never take my picture of the beer, mainly because my a lot of my beers are more, um, how should we say, it? traditional? Not traditional. They're not like yours, kind of. They're, they're more mass produced, and we don't mass put produce, up a, yes. We don't put up a picture Whoa. of your beer because you never take a picture of your that's beer a, to send it to me to put out a, there. That's a dark looking beer, Robert. It's it's a session stout, but again, I'm going to. Oh, is it looks kind of flat or no? Oh, there we go. Oh, it's got a little the, bit of the a... stouts. You you just get a little bit at the top. It's so, a big glass. That's a big beer. Does doesn't even fill it? Doesn't even fill it up. It comes up to the to the pint line. So the pint line's there. So I'm gonna take a picture. Why don't you open up there, sir, and yep. let us know what you're drinking? I'm drinking Alexander Keith's, and the slogan Robert is those who like it like it a lot. Oh, kind of like the piece. Pints and Pews co- podcast. Yes. Those who like it, like it a lot. <laughs> Actually, Those who somebody don't said, like it, don't listen. So, I mean, somebody maybe, said to me that was their favorite episode last uh, last time we had uh, Anne DeSantis on with our first female guest, how much they enjoyed that. So that's a good sign. And and, and you know what? I got the exact same thing. Uh, uh, it was actually my friend Louise who has the, the fundraiser going on to help build a home for uh, those with mental illness said she absolutely loved the episode. Excellent. Well. Excellent. Um, this is a, I only know two really, this is two beers from down East in Canada. There's Moosehead, of course. And yep. then there's Alexander Keith out of Nova Scotia. A pale yeah, I ale. And I can't taste it now. So we'll just describe it in a few minutes. If we say a quick prayer. Oh, okay. in the name of the father, father and of the and son, of the, son and of, the and of the Holy spirit. spirit. Amen. Bless, O Lord, this creature beer, which thou hast deigned to produce from the fat of grain, that it may be a salutary remedy to the human race, and grant, through the invocation of thy holy name, that whoever shall drink it may gain health and body and peace and soul. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the the Father, Father, and the the Son, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. How's that for a golden hue to it isn't that the way oh that is beautiful looks nice isn't it now it is a, a dark and rainy day here in southern ontario it's a dunkle we, kind of day as we like to say a dunkle kind of day um and you've got a nice light crisp beer yes crisp golden ale it's very smooth 
a uh, little bit hoppy, but not too hoppy. I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm going to, and a very popular, probably one of the most popular beers. I mean, you you can get Alexander Keith's anywhere. Yeah, I like not. that one. I really enjoy the Alexander Keith's Red as oh, well. I don't think I've ever had that. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorite Reds out there, especially Actually, from you know the larger what? No, breweries. I've had that, and I'll tell you when I've had that when I've ordered a Rickers Red at a pub or something, and they don't have Rickers Red, and they said we've got Alexander Keith's red instead. And yeah, it has that was actually good. it was a nice drop. I'll order the double right away, the double half pints, and we'll be good I, to go. I just saw you taking a sip. I want to take a sip of mine. Yes, no, no, let's tell, tell me about that dark beer that looks like a stout you've got in front of you. Yes, and yes, it is. It's a, a sticks in the middle session stout from the the market brewing company out of Newmarket. My own. You've been town. there a few times. You've had I'm, that a few times on the show. Not this one though. No, I've I've had from them a few times on the yep. show. Again, it's my hometown. I'm through there on a regular right. basis, so I'll usually go in and see what they've got new and exciting on tap, and and we'll do that now. Way back, I think it was in January or February when we had Father Eric on the show. Mm-hmm. I had their. Uh, oh, I like to say, oh, Adonite, oh, Adonis uh, Porter, which was right. absolutely fantastic. And when I put that out there on Instagram uh, and tagged the the brewing company, I said, well, if they re- if you really enjoyed this, the the Porter, you're going to love our session stout. This sticks in the middle. So I, I went and picked some up when I was through Newmarket last time a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago. So I've been wanting to sh- have this on the show. I've been saving it for the show and it is nice and smooth. Nice and sticks in the middle sticks in the middle. Now uh, (laughs) you grew up in Toronto. I really don't know if you actually understand the notion of sticks in the middle. No, I played in the middle. Oh yes. I played in the middle of the road. Stick hockey. There you go. Yeah. So when you play road road hockey to uh, choose the teams for road hockey, everybody throws their stick in the middle. Right. And one guy gets down uh, and someone holds their hands over his eyes to, to blindfold them. But, uh, you got to know there's always something nefarious going on there to to stack yeah. the teams one side or, or the other. And then they throw the sticks in two directions. So throw one to the left, one to the right, one to the left, one to the right. And whichever side your stick ends up on, that's the team you're on. Yeah. Right. And so that's the, the whole notion of sticks in the middle uh, for this session. So it is road hockey, which is. Like the, and then uh, car. Car. And, uh, car. You know, as the, the car comes down the, the road and Bring everybody the goes to the, to the side. side of the road. Uh, and you haven't lived until you've taken a, a full out slap shot in the thigh, either from a frozen tennis ball or those little orange road hockey balls. Oh, those road hockey. Uh, we I, always used to play tennis ball. Yeah, the road hockey balls in the winter were just too hard. I still have some 40-year-old welts <laughs> from, from those. So now from that, when we were playing road hockey, you never played road hockey as yourself. You always played road hockey as your hero from the ice you're right right so you being a toronto boy and a toronto moon police fan i'm sure you would have called out that you were daryl sittler daryl sittler lanny mcdonald's yeah 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 though i don't know if you could grow the mustache for lanny mcdonald no there, i buddy, couldn't but... and i know where you're going with this because it was you're, you're going to bring up some very sad news too yeah so right. uh being the only one of quasi french canadian descent on my mm-hmm. street i was always guy lafleur Gila Fleur, right. the flower, the, the flower. And, you know, I, I would grow my hair out. My hair was blonder back in the day. Mm-hmm. I would grow my hair out and I always thought it was flowing 
Like his used to flow on the ice as he exactly. skated down the wing. And that's why they called him the Demon Blanc, the, the blonde demon. Because Is that what would, they call him? Okay, they I never heard that expression. Uh, terrorize the, the opposing team's defense uh, as he was skating down the right wing. What a player. What a player. Just died the... recently, of, a couple of days ago, of uh, cancer, right? 70 uh, years of age. Yeah, so he passed away of lung cancer at the age of 70. Yeah. I had the pleasure of seeing him play twice. Once when I was a kid, so he was still playing huh. with the, the Habs. Okay. Uh, and then I saw him. It was an old-timers charity hockey game at Newmarket. And then, even that's about 20 years ago, maybe even more than 20 years mm -hmm. ago when I saw him last. He was playing on a line, Guy Lafleur, Steve Shutt, and Marcel Dion. Um, Whoa, that's and, and a pretty good they, line. They were the they were the greats from the the seventies. Yes, right. And I remember one time as we're watching this game unfold, I'm thinking, okay, the puck's down in the corner. And before you knew it, the puck was out of the corner into the slot in the top corner. Uh, like these guys could still just move the puck around unbelievably. But yeah, so Guy Lafleur passed away this week from from lung yeah. cancer. Um, which those who kind of know his story, it's not a huge surprise. No. Uh, even when he, he was playing professional hockey, he was smoking two packs of cigarettes a day. Yeah. Yeah. They used to smoke in the dressing room between periods. Well, he like, would smoke between, he would smoke between shifts. No. He would, he would take off from the bench, go down the tunnel. No. I under the stands on that the That I got to see. Room, I don't. And he would have a smoke between shifts. Now you're going to tell me they used to have a pint in the dressing room between uh, periods as well. Yes, they no, did. They, they probably waited to the end, but they certainly had one. There was yeah. no hitting the, uh, the bike right after the game in, no, in those days. No, 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 none of that. What a dynasty, though, the Habs teams of the 70s were. Yeah. yeah. And, and one thing that Hall struck, of Famers. Right? Yeah, one, one thing that really struck me as a kid growing up, and I saw this more watching on, on television, was at the beginning of the game. So after the national anthem had played and the game mm. was starting, number one, I could never figure out why Lafleur was starting on the bench. Why is my hero not on yeah. the ice to start the game? But he's on the bench to start. The national anthem ends, and he would always cross himself. He would make he would make the sign of the cross before nice. the game started. Nice. And that always stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't see it again until about 10 years ago now, give or take. It was a Summer Olympics. Usain Bolt does the same thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've seen as, it with as, as he gets yeah. into the into the blocks to start his race. Yeah. And it just struck me, you know, isn't that great that these high-level professional athletes are offering up what they're about to do to God? Right. Right. And, and you remember too, Lafleur was coming to you know growing up in 1950s Quebec when pretty well everybody was Catholic and everybody went to mass, right? Yeah, and then through the 60s and 70s there was a, a hard shift in the, the culture in Quebec to right. the other extreme, right? To the, the Quiet Revolution, extreme. yeah. But right. that's for another show. But just a final note on Lafleur too, the flower is that they said he was a true gentleman and always took oh. the time for his fans, and that's the true nature of him too robert not just he was a hockey icon in in quebec and montreal and in canada but he certainly was a true gentleman so. and, and i can shamefacedly attest to that because i mm. hit him up for an autograph at a restaurant right. as he was coming out of the bathroom oh okay there goes Guy into the bathroom i'm going to yeah. stand outside the door and wait until he comes out and get him to sign this this picture of him and, and he obliged and he chatted wow. for a, and he chatted Very for cool. a couple of minutes uh do you speak in English or French to him? I spoke to him in French because I just okay, figured, yeah. you know, if I start off in the French, that's my in. Yeah, right? yeah. That, that's my that's in. That's excellent. And of course, I called him Monsieur Lefleur. Okay. Didn't, didn't, didn't call him by his first he, name. And He never told me that story. What a great story. Yeah. So that that was my, my brush with the, the great Guy Lefleur. 
so Dennis, this isn't a, a sports podcast. This it is should the, pints be, and, the Pints and Pews. And you brought to us a, a great little article there this week. Yeah, you know, a great article will bear, but yeah, you get that magazine now. We could just give a plug to uh, St. Anthony, the messenger of St. Anthony, a great little magazine that we both get. But I found this one the most, I don't want to say confusing, but I didn't know a lot of this. This was stuff that was new to me in the apostolic life. So maybe you just want to explain what it's about to our uh, listeners. Well, the fourth series, right? Yeah. And I was a little bit confused too, because when you presented the article to me, and yes, we get it at home and it was sitting on the, the coffee table. Mm-hmm. I hadn't quite gotten to this article yet, but when you presented it to me, uh, you said it's kind of talking about uh religious orders for the laity so i i was expecting about uh, an article about uh, tertiaries so third order right 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 whether it's franciscans benedictines dominicans and which are are laity who Mm -hmm. strive to live within uh certain monastic boundaries or or according to the order and again that's i think maybe another episode somewhere down the line is to look at uh these third orders maybe even try to find a guest who's a, a, th- a third order benedictine or dominican that would be really uh, or interesting. franciscan just to, to learn more about what a, a third order is and that's what, what i was expecting to read about right but instead it was an article on consecrated religious life so yes some of these people are clergy they're not within religious orders they're religious orders but they're not religious orders right and they're not really laity but in some instances they are laity at the end they were if they looked at the opus day they were late there was some lady within that but yeah most of them weren't right but they weren't consecrated correct they weren't necessarily ordained and they not, were not not all of them were not all ordained, of them no. yeah but they were all consecrated so they are, had all consecrated their life to christ through a certain community living right and i right. I, just, I did find it very confusing yeah the article and, and it's not to say that the article wasn't well written i think what it was is more that the subject matter was so wide ranging it was very wide ranging like consecrated virgins they speak about but not necessarily belonging to religious order it was just yeah it's... yeah so to, to to get it down into one page i, I know yeah, it's it, almost it, it didn't do it justice because no. every time you get started reading on on something it was like i want to know more about that yeah and it moved on to the next subject so you know what almost every paragraph should have been almost a book a page to itself yeah a, a book a book Each paragraph yeah, should well. have been a book so like you said it was the fourth in a series of articles and i didn't read all four because we yeah, just should... started our subscription so you'll have to give right. me some back issues i there. will i'll Sorry. give you the last three right because and the they, back issues they say they looked at the laity the clergy and religious and this one it says straddles the fence between the cracks of these categories and that's what it did right and they're recent they're all recent too right they're within like 19 i think they mentioned 1982 two or 1983 with pope john paul ii giving them the distinct yeah, title there, of society of apostolic life of pontifical right yeah there was something where the yeah so it was in 1983 when the code mm-hmm. of canon law was changed and like you say yeah the society right. of apostolic life or pontifical right yeah and so and even within that there seemed to be three different styles or three right. different kinds of groups so and, and the, the first one where they said they would take vows, but they weren't necessarily religious vows. So they would mm-hmm. take vows of 
communal life. Right. And some even took the, the vows of poverty, of, chastity, and obedience. Did they? Some of them. Yeah, but they but they didn't take they didn't make a, a religious profession. Right. Um, now we'll be having a, a Benedictine come on the show uh, in early June. Uh, he just made his it's about brother Sebastian of the Subiaco Abbey. Yes, you gave down, that down in me. Arkansas, yeah. and he's made his initial vows or his primary vows, I'd have to look it up to see the, the proper term. And then there's a three-year period before he makes his final vows. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's a, a, a real profession of faith to the religious life where this doesn't happen here. So, But so- it's interesting though, Robert, just quickly, poverty, mm-hmm. chastity, and obedience, why not just take a religious vow on top of that? And, um, it confuses me a little bit as to why not go with the final mm-hmm. step. But And to be honest, I really don't know for yeah. 100%. My take on it would be that these people are being called to a communal life, mm-hmm. but not necessarily within a religious order. Right. Right. And I think this, the fact that they're not part of a religious order, that there isn't um, a particular rule that they follow, yeah, uh, allows it, for these groups to have maybe a little bit more leeway in the, the way that they function i don't well, know the fact that you mentioned that is important uh, is a good point because if you look at the photo there was a photo with that and it shows one of those group uh orders it says the daughters of saint of charity of saint vincent de paul make annual vows throughout their lives which and they take they don't make a religious vow which leaves them always free to leave without need of ecclesiastical permission so that might be one of the reasons they can just they don't need uh the bishop's permission to leave Okay, makes sense. I hadn't, yeah, I, so I, there, I hadn't read a little bit. Yeah, no, the, the I just picture. noticed that right now, actually. Yeah, underneath the a caption of the, the photo. Yeah, and so within the same group as the Daughters of Charity, you have the Oratorians. Yes. Right, that would lead a, a Which I thought was life. a religious order all this time, but I guess, yeah. And we have a, a group of Oratorians in Toronto, I, I believe. That's right. right? The, the Oratorians. Yeah. Down in Parkdale, yep. Yeah, and then the, the other two groups that they mentioned in the article are actually missionary groups. Uh, the Mary Knoll fathers right, and the Vincentians or the, the Lazarus mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and both of them, both of those orders or both of those groups would work in the, in the foreign mission field. Right. And the Paulist I've heard, I've heard of the Paulist and the Mary Knoll, maybe still not, not so much the Vincentians. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The Paulists were there. I, mm-hmm. I, 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 for whatever reason, I didn't put them in there. They have a church in Toronto or had a church in Toronto yeah. downtown. Yeah, and the, the Paulists are very much involved in media. So you have the, the oh. Pauline sisters. Right. Right. And I know that they have a store in Toronto. They have a, they a do. convent in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, right beside St. Charles Borromeo Parish. That's right. Right. Which is yeah. near where you grew up. Yeah, near where I, yeah. Um, and so they're very involved in the cutting edge of, of media, not just within print media, but also mm-hmm. internet and radio and, and television mm-hmm. and the like. Now, there's another group there that I found quite interesting. There's two clerical groups and groups that uh, remain loyal or that uh, will pray the 1962 Missal. Yes, I saw that. So the 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 Missal that was prior to Vatican II and prior to the Missal of St. Pope Paul VI. Um, so a lot of people say it's the, the traditional Latin Mass. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's the, the priestly fraternity of St. Peter which I know of, and I've met priests from the, that fraternity okay. as well. And mm-hmm. so the, they'll wear the long black cassock, you know, right. the, the Beretta, uh, and, and very, very traditional. 
And then also another one that I hadn't heard of, the Institute of Christ, Christ. the King, Sovereign Priest. Priest, yeah. Any of those orders in the Toronto area uh, were the first, the first one, the Priestly Fraternity of St. Peter? Are they in the... I believe that there would be one in Toronto. I know okay. for sure in Ottawa. Okay. Because that, that's okay. where I met met them. Right. Was there. Uh, and the article was very good in, in pointing out not to be mistaken yes. with the SSPX, the Society, the Society of St. Pius, Pius the, yeah. the 10th. Right. Um, who are not, and again, the article was very good about this. They are not in schism with the church. Yeah. However, they are not, um, how does it, it's an irregular, irregular status. status with the Holy See. Yeah. Of Ariga. You know, say schism, eh? I, I was once, we, I was in a class once and the prof said, it's actually pronounced schism, but I've always said schism, Robert. There's a little schism. No, he said schism. It was schism. Yeah, some say schism. Some say I, I'd have to go the hard C with schism there. Uh, but that was C good H that they pointed. Yeah, that was good that they pointed out. It's not the same thing because automatically you think 1962 missile must be uh, a you know Society of Saint Pius the Tenth. It's not. It's not the same thing as they point out. Yeah, and with the whole motus propriu that came out last year, uh, with regards to the 1962 missile. Right. Um, I know that there was some latitude given for those groups. Right. right? The, the, the fraternity of St. Peter and the Institute of Christ, the King sovereign priest right. were given some latitude to continue praying that missile. Right. As well. And the final one, which mixes the clergy with the laity, the personal prelate is one we've all heard of, of course. The, the Opus Dei. Opus Dei. Yeah. Yeah. Which has only yeah. been around for 40 years. I think, no, it's been around longer than that, but it was created, it was given pontifical approval in about 40 years ago, was it not? I believe so. I don't know the whole mm. history of Opus Dei. Yeah. Uh, Opus Dei is probably the most renowned, uh, but I would also say the most infamous of all Catholic groups because people know of Opus Dei, but they do not know it correctly. No, they don't. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Down Brown. Yeah, and that's why the infamous, certainly not infamous. I mean, they do a lot of great work. And it, it seems to mix that laity with the clergy quite well, right? You don't, I don't think, I think you can work there and just live a, a single life. Can you not? And devote yourself to so. your know. job. Yeah. I mean, I, they have a, they have a, um, I wouldn't say, was it home in downtown Toronto as well? So there is, mm -hmm. and many people we probably know belong to Opus Dei, correct? I know of a few people who have yeah. belonged to Opus Dei. I don't know if they still are. And again, Opus Dei is not uh, the Opus Dei of the Dan, Dan Brown works of yeah. fiction. I um, really want to make that point clear. And like you say, they do do a lot of work and they, uh, the, the faith is very, very strong with them. Uh, so I, again, that's one where we have to realize that it's you know in the world, but not of the world. Right. 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 What is the work of God? All they do is they work and they and they devote them like they have prayer groups, regular prayer groups, and um, they just live normal Catholic lives. Yeah, that, Catholic that, lives. That that universal call to holiness, which Absolutely. we're all, we're all called to. Called, yeah. Right. And kind of referring back as we were talking about Gila Fleur and and Usain Bolt earlier, and making the sign of cross before starting our work for the day, and, and offering up even ourselves as teachers or whatever it is that you do, offering that up each and every day to the Lord. And that then becomes your opus day. 
that becomes right. your work for the Lord. And that's the universal call to holiness is to right. fulfill the vocation that we're called to fulfill. Absolutely. And I like the way it says as a personal prelature, am I pronouncing that like prelature? I, I think so. Uh, it unites. So they're all in together in one purpose, in one goal, which I like, because usually, as you know, you've been to the seminary for many courses and workshops and seminars and retreats. And sometimes there's a little bit of a division between the lady and the clergy. Um, but now this is all, they're all together working for the same goal, which we all should be, of course, Robert, as you just mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. And so the one final group that was listed within the article, I think that needs to be mentioned as well is that of consecrated virgins. Yeah. And so, you know, people who consecrate their virginity and consecrate their life to the Lord, mm -hmm. they live as single people. Right. Right. They, that's, uh, but they would have an apartment. They would, right. they, they don't wear a habit. Right. right. They don't they belong just, to, they're not religious sisters or nuns or necessarily correct. It, correct. They've just, they've consecrated themselves to the Lord and they go about again, their everyday business, their everyday calling mm -hmm. uh, as best they can offering that up to the Lord, but they've offered their, their lives to the Lord. And I think truly are a witness within the world as they don't stand out. You're not expecting that. When you see a priest uh, in a Roman collar or a cassock, or you see uh, a nun in her habit or a mm -hmm. brother, a monk in, in his habit, you're expecting a, a certain kind of behavior and you're expecting a certain kind of way of life. And you're expecting them to, to speak in a certain way where if someone looks like you or I, you don't always expect the world does not expect them to live Christ-like. Absolutely. And that fits right in. I, I think that that fits in with the Opus Dei, if I'm not mistaken, with the numeraries and the supernumeraries. A lot of them mm -hmm. live that consecrated uh, virgin life and they devote themselves to Opus Dei and they give their salaries back and but they're not part of a religious order. So they do have members within there, but it could be, they don't have to belong to Opus Dei. They don't have to belong to it. They just live that particular life. It's a beautiful mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. And, and, and I've read an article before and it's going mm -hmm. back a couple of years. So my memory is a little bit hazy, but it's actually a very beautiful liturgical rite of consecration with their Bishop. When they do make that profession of, of consecrated life. Mm-hmm. Right, I would all... find that would be difficult. I, I, I find it would be much or easier in a religious community. Would it not, Robert? Would you not think so? Just it would be hard to be on your own. You would need that fellowship, I think. It would be, at least speaking for myself, it would be easier with fellowship. I don't know how they would get that. You know, just to kind of... No, no, uh, sure yeah, I know what you're same... saying. Yeah. I know what you're saying. And I think from our, our perspective, from our perspective as hmm. married men... Right. Living within the community of the family, mm -hmm. it is very difficult for us to understand that. Mm -hmm. But I also, whenever I approach that subject, I think maybe for them as a consecrated single person, right. they can't understand why we would want to live in the communal life yeah. of a family. Right. And the same when the notion of, you know, priestly celibacy comes up where they're mm -hmm. and again the priests that they're they're living on their own most of the time people say like i don't get it i don't understand why a priest or a nun or a brother would want to live that lifestyle and i say well put yourself in their shoes maybe they feel the same way they can't understand 
why someone would want to get married. They can't understand why someone would want to live as a family. So I I think it's unfair for us Mm -hmm. from our own perspective to make that question. Yeah. You know what that, but I think it is, I think it's a legitimate question because we're trying to learn and we're trying to understand. We're trying to put ourselves in their shoes. You make a good point because I remember Father Reddy, a good old Irish priest, and when I was at university, and he used to have this conversation with his brother. He'd go to his brother and he'd say, "Geez, I don't know how you how you do it as a married husband and father." And he would, mm-hmm. the brother would say to him, "I don't know how you do it as a Catholic priest." So exactly, you know, there's pros and cons to both sides, right, Robert? No, well, exactly. Good article. So if we come across any of those articles in the Messenger of St. Anthony, we'll certainly pass them along to our listeners. That's for sure. Now, thinking of the article, and again, both you and I, we were constantly reading, voracious Mm -hmm. readers. Uh, So we always come across uh, a few quotes that we'd like to share and meditate upon with our listeners as well. Got some good quotes this week, don't we, Robert? So the, the first quote that we have on the list here, um, actually from uh, a book of fiction, a a work of fiction that I just read. I don't read a whole lot of fiction. Um, I read this one. I picked this book up because it was released from my publisher the same time that my most recent book was released. So when my book is published, I always like getting all the other books that the publisher is putting out at that time. And it's a small Canadian Catholic publisher. So it's only ever two or three. It's not like I'm purchasing a dozen books at at any one go but this is a a work of fiction called encounters with the sacred and it's a a novel by berta milovic burn and it's the story of uh, a young girl growing up in toronto in the let's say the the early 80s and as well it follows a, a little bit of this girl's grandfather's life as well just after the second world war within slovenia and some of the atrocities that happened in in the new yugoslavia so i'll hold that up i'll hold that up for you uh again our listeners can't see the the cover of that but the the quote that i pulled from that it was right near the end of the the book like i said i don't read much fiction but it was actually a a joy to read some fiction for a change um and this is the the grandfather speaking to the granddaughter I believe, or it could, could have been the teacher speaking to the student, but mm-hmm. it, it, was a, it, it's, it was an adult speaking to a child. The more you nurture your spiritual development through prayer and the sacraments, the better you can discern God's plan for your life. Yeah, so it the, says it all, doesn't it? Yeah, The more you nurture your spiritual development through prayer and the sacraments, the better you can discern God's plan for your life. And I thought that that's... That, that, that says it all in a nutshell, kind of. Yeah. yeah. I, we need to spend time in prayer mm-hmm. and, and we need to spend time with the sacraments, especially the sacraments of reconciliation in the Eucharist. Yeah. Right. Because you're not going to get to know God's plan for your life. You're not going to get to know God uh, unless you spend time with him. Mm-hmm. And my, my wife and I were just having this conversation at the dinner table uh, yesterday, day before yesterday that it's one thing to know about Jesus. It's another thing to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right. And sometimes not sometimes a lot of the times I fall into the category of, I know a lot about Christ, 
constantly reading, constantly yeah. studying, reading these nonfiction books to know more about Christ, know more about the scriptures, know more about the faith. But I need to focus sometimes on spending time developing that relationship with him. Right, right. Yeah, you can get all the degrees behind your name and whatever, and know as much as possible and get your PhD in theology. But you're right, you have to develop that relationship. And that's a really good, uh, I like the quote in the sense that it was a former secretary, I think, at our school, Robert, who said that, uh, you know, I think she just said off the cuff once, you know, I don't know how people start, are able to start their days without prayer. And it kind of Amen. hit me a little bit at the time. Yeah. As if to say, it's what a great way to start the day and something that, you know, uh, I do certainly try to make the effort to do. Well, that's in the sacraments, of course. And we know just because Easter has just passed and some of us went to confession just, just before Easter. And it was a little, God, you know, God willing, big. everyone. I know, I know both yourself because just because we have these conversations, mm-hmm. it's not, not like I'm, I give you the list as you're going into the confessional right. or anything. Uh, that's your wife's job to give you the list as you the go list, into the yes. confessional. <laughs> but, making notes <laughs> in line. And it was packed too. The lineup was out the door almost. But yeah, no, I, I know we, we've both went to confession during, during Lent as you know, we are called to do to, mm-hmm. to get to confession during Lent, but you know, just being living a sacramental life and, and leading a prayerful life helps us, understand what god wants from us Mm -hmm. and right now it's for us it's pints and pews and to continue this and thinking of the pints you had a great quote here too and it's not from a saint absolutely well we just talked a little bit about the pews and of course if we go back to benjamin franklin uh back to the revolutionary war the war of independence right around which bank note is he on again is he the hundred i think people say benjamins you know give me maybe he's on the hundred think he is i i really have no i thought you would have come up this quote because i think i gave you this little book remember i bought these books at a reduced sharp discount and i picked up two at the time i think i've seen that quote and i can tell you too that quote is on the wall of my favorite brewery here in port perry the old flame they've got this quote they've got this quote up they do not yes they do well, so when I was up there for your book launch, how come you didn't point that that was it up at the time? I think it's in the gentleman's. Oh, okay. Beer is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy. Robert, oh, when you first came up with the idea of pints and pews, you must have had this quote on your mind because it just speaks so well to what we're doing right now. Yeah. And I think it has a lot to do with the fellowship factor. And we yes, talked yes. about that a number we've of times here before, on the yeah. podcast, uh, the notion of fellowship, but also too, you can put this quote in with a, a GK Chesterton quote that we are called to love beer and Burgundy by not drinking too much of them. And mm-hmm, I'm, para- mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing there. So yes, right. beer is proof that God loves us as long as we use it within the way that he intends us to use it. Right. Right. right in moderation, and, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one of our first guests, uh, R. Jared Stout, who wrote mm-hmm. the beer option, right? He talks about this in his book, and he spoke about it on the podcast in and of itself. He said, you know, beer is a good thing, but we need to use it. We need to consume beer in the way that God intended, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because as soon as we're not using beer the way God intended, um, Let's just say the morning after, we're not all that happy. No, we're not all that happy. We remember those days back back in our youth, Robert. Exactly. Um, yeah, so I thought that was a good one. And I thought that should be kind of almost, we should 
next time we do uh you know get some caps or something we should put that on or something like that or put it on our uh put it on your facebook page but anyhow you had another get another good uh, quote well again thinking here too and the speaking about the faith and fellowship this kind of leads into this next quote from uh dom prosper geringer geringer Mm. Uh, who kind of led the liturgical renewal renewal and the monastic renewal in France um, about a hundred years ago. So sorry, I just get my pronunciation down properly again. Mm-hmm. Don Prosper Geranger. Geranger. But I'll give the quote Geranger. in English. I'll give the quote in English. Yes. Uh, encourage one another in perseverance and progress and offer up your fervent prayers for those brethren who labor under temptation or trial. Mm-hmm. And again, as much as the fellowship aspect and having the pint and chatting about things of the faith is important, but from that, there's also the, the need to encourage one another and to pray for one another. Absolutely. And you're very good at that. Well, Bear, and I, I don't care what you say, but everybody's under that umbrella, under temptation or trial. All of us at some time in our lives, continuing to this day and going forward. There's always going to be the temptation and trial. So I've, got, we all both, I've got both hands up on that. Absolutely. And we all right. need those prayers. And you're good at that as, in the encouragement and certainly well, you know, it, keeping people in, remembering people in prayers. Well, I, thank you. Thank you. And sometimes it's not done intentionally because you shared a story with me. We were just talking about um, going to confession during Lent and yes. how, because everyone's kind of going in Lent, how it can get kind of busy when you, you're going to confession in Lent and you get there and the, the, oh, lineup, absolutely. the, the lineup's like 25 people deep uh, the 20 right? uh, so it was 25 people deep this is holy week and i'm like oh i'll come back and then i look at my phone in the narthex and i'm seeing your it's a text from you and i'm like oh you know what robert's gonna give me the boots tomorrow i can't i gotta get myself into in that line so i get myself into the line another priest come out great the line's moving quickly you know, it's moving and I'm great. I'm making notes. I'm looking at my examination of conscience on your phone. You can do that now. So I'm all set to go in, ready to spend some time with the priest. And unfortunately, because the line was so big, uh, the priest says. Yeah, well, we're going to get to another quote from that. And then I just oh, okay. want the, the I, I want the listeners to to understand I was not texting you with a list to confess. No, I, 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 I was not sending you, you your examine. You it had given actually, me that list previous to me uh, leaving the, 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 the text. Actually, I was sending Dennis at that time still comes from this quote of encouraging one another in perseverance and progress because um, about an half hour to an hour before I sent that text, um, Dennis and I had had a, a, a very deep conversation and we, we can't go into the details right now right. on that conversation. Um, and I was just texting Dennis to say thank you for his prayers and saying thank you to Dennis for his help and thank you to Dennis for the conversation and thank you to Dennis for his friendship. I think the quote was that simple. Dennis, thank you yeah. for being a friend. Yeah, that's right. That's what that was. The and, and, and that's all actually. it was because yeah. I'm getting goosebumps now as we talk about this because that had been part of the conversation, the, yeah. the encouragement that you gave to, to persevere and to progress. Um and everything will work out and everything's going to work out. And then yeah. that continues with prayers after the afterwards um, for those for of sure. us who, who labor under temptation and for sure. Uh, right? Yeah, absolutely. But I got to finish my story and then we'll get back to that fourth quote. So I'm in the line. I'm all set to go in Robert, as you say, great priests. I love the priest of church, 
but it was a busy time, right? It's, it's, it's Wednesday before Easter and, and there's a lot of people and, you know, they've been doing confessions all day. So the priest says, um, you know, as you know, there is a long line there. So if you can please make your confession brief. And I'm thinking to myself, father, I just got here. You're trying to rush me out of the confessional. So I luckily I'd written everything down. I had my note with me because I wanted to make sure I got everything in there. And it was a great confession, you know, ready to say the act of contrition. And of course, if you could just say, you know, I'll give you your penance. And if you can just say your act of contrition with, along with your penance as you leave the confessional, I'm thinking, okay, we better move on. Yeah. But that was my story for yeah, uh, yeah, and that kind of opened up a whole other conversation we had after that. that we did, yeah. If you know you're getting into the confessional and the priest is like, "Can you hurry it up a little bit, there, please, son?" Um, you miss something. Yeah. So again, luckily you had it written down. I hope you ate right. those notes afterwards so that you know you didn't lose them. I in deleted the my, uh, I deleted my notes, yeah, from my phone, definitely. So, but if you were to miss something in your haste, right? Whose whose conscience is that on? Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Is that on your conscience or is that on the priest's conscience for, right. for moving you on? And I spoke to my wife a little bit about that afterwards, because now you can't mm-hmm. be using that as a loophole going forward. Oh, I, I had to hurry up. I wanted to go quickly. Mm-hmm. And so I missed something, but that's because the priest, no. And, and my, my wife uh, has mentioned this and she shared this, that she's heard some priests say, uh, when they give the absolution is for, you know, for these sins and for any sins you may have forgotten or were not conscious of when you made your, your act of contrition. Mm-hmm. And when I make my confession, I'll also kind of add that on at the end. Yes, I've that, done that before. Uh, a bit of an umbrella, was, you know, yes. for these sins and any sins, and sins that, that I've forgotten. At the I, moment I've forgotten. Now, it, it's not any sins that I have decided not to say. Right. Not the same, of course. Not not the same, but anything that maybe has slipped my mind or in my nervousness and, and, and whatnot. But if there's a sin there that I know of and I choose not to say it because I'm ashamed to say it, um, no, that doesn't fall it doesn't, into doesn't that category. Yeah. But you know what I was thinking as he, as he said this, and I'm thinking to myself later on, boy, they just must get people in there droning on and on during confessional thinking to myself, okay, the priest is probably thinking you've been here 10 or 15 minutes. You're going around in circles or you're not getting to your sins. I think that's probably the problem is that a lot of people don't get directly to their sins. Maybe. I, right? I, I, I think that's what it is. Cause I've heard some priests say too, please, when you come to confession, name a number, name the sin and number the number, the, the, okay. the amount of times yeah. they do it. Just, just give us the name and number. I hate to say it in some ways, like a, a shopping list, right? Uh, there, there does need to be sincerity in it. Right. But it does need to be name and number. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, they must have, you know, the 80 or five-year-old women in there and they're thinking to myself, that's not a sin. You have, your conscience is too scrupulous. You don't need to say that. That's not. Well, no. that, that, that's like Fulton Sheen would say that, you know, l- listening to a nun's confession is like being stoned with popcorn. That's good. Right. Like that. So that, that, that's a good one. Yeah. We had one more quote we on, did. On, the, on the list here, but you know what? I'm just looking at the time there, my right. friend. And so I'm going to say, why don't we save that for another day? Absolutely. I did want to speak about sacramentals, sacramentals. Just, just very you quickly. Did. Yes. Right. And again, looking at the, the time we have left, when I go out to the parishes and I give parish mission talks, 
and, and I'll be going. And it's usually at about this time I start apologizing because I've got an hour's worth of stuff I want to cram into 10 minutes. Right. I wanted to talk quickly about sacramentals. Right. Right. Not the sacraments. All right. There, there's a sacramentals. difference. Yeah. The difference between sacrament and sacramentals. Right. So the, the sacrament sacraments we know are the, the visible sign of, of God's grace. And there's the seven sacraments of, of baptism, right. reconciliation, Eucharist, yep. confirmation, marriage, holy orders, Orders, anointing of the sick. Um, Sacramentals are also visible signs, but they're more there to help jog our memory or to, to focus our prayer life or or to bring us closer to God so that we will want to live a sacramental life. A lot of these things are things that we just have around the home in in many ways, right? Holy medals, correct? Yeah. Statues. Yep. Yeah. So holy medals, statues, pictures, icons, prayer cards, Mm -hmm. any of these things that will help us focus our, our prayer life. Uh, A lot of times it's just a Ed memoir. It just helps us remember uh, as we've got one that's so over top of the door that we come in and out of our house that says, you know, Lord bless this house. So as you're mm-hmm. coming and going, uh, it, it's just a, a reminder nice, yeah, uh, of God's blessing, right? Not just on the home, but on, on our days. I have a prayer card for St. Christopher in my car, right? Again, just a remind me to ask for St. Christopher's intercession anytime that mm-hmm. we're, we're traveling. I think um, I have one of St. Therese of Lisieux, I believe, too, in my wallet. Yeah. So these little things. Uh, jewelry that we were, we can wear. That I, I wear a crucifix my wife purchased for me as an a anniversary gift, right? a, a nice gold crucifix. So, again, each time that, that I touch that, it reminds me not just of our, our Lord and his sacrifice, but it reminds me also of the sac- sacrament of marriage. Absolutely. I, I, no, I just quickly on the sacramentals, Rivera, I used to wear a, um, I think it was a, um, forgetting the name of the saint, but anyhow, it was a holy medal around my neck and I was golfing in Niagara and there was a gentleman we were golfing with and he sliced the ball out of the bunker and it went directly flying at, I don't know how fast, directly hit me square in the chest and I believe to this day, it was the holy, I don't know if I've told you the story. It was the holy medal that I was wearing and I was fine. And my brother was looking at me. Are you okay? Like he thought I, like I should have been dead on the ground, but I completely walked away from that, but go on. Yeah. So Um, probably a miraculous medal. Absolutely. Actually, now that you say it, I think it was the miraculous medal. All right. And and so things like that. Uh, I wear a scapular. Yes, you do. For that. Uh, and, and there's different kinds of scapulars in it. And again, possibly, and I, I thought to go a little bit deeper into to these, but again, uh, we were talking time. about so, so much other wonderful right. stuff. That, no, just you know, quickly though, because I always thought the scapular, every time I've seen it on you or someone else, I always thought it was there was only a brown scapular, but you mentioned the other colors there. I did not know that. Yeah. And I saw somewhere recently that there's up to 18 different kinds of scapular, which I was not aware. I, I wear the brown scapular, which... Uh, the, the Carmelite scapular that Our Lady gave to St. Simon Stock. But th- there's, there's not 18 different kinds of scapulars. I saw, I saw, I that, so I saw, I that. saw that somewhere. Wow. How much truth there is to that, I don't know. Right? It's on the internet. It must be true. 
Right. Right. Of Any, course. Every, everything that's on the internet is true. So there, Abs- there you go. One hundred percent, as we all know, <laughs> <laughs> including the Pints and Pews podcast. We're on yes. the internet, so yeah. we are um, true. And we, we must, yeah. Um, but the 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 blue scapular, the, the black the black scapular, the green scapular, and, and again, I was hoping to get uh, delve a little bit deeper into to all of that. Maybe on the next show when I do my quote or the second. The show after next show. The show after. Guest, right, yeah. yeah. Uh, on. the, the one thing I did want to to mention just as we kind of close this, mm-hmm. this quick segment here on, on Sacramentals is there is the pitfall with the Sacramentals of falling into superstition. Okay. Right? So maybe uh, explain that, that, how that, we, we you know, should I, not I, fall into that. So for are, example, mm-hmm. on the, the back of the scapular, and I'll have to pull it out so that I can, can read it. Right. Take my glasses off too, because now it's so close. And what's See, I put my glasses on. on to read, and you take your glasses off to read. Well, it depends on how close it is to my face, right? Uh, whoever dies wearing this scapular shall not suffer inter- eternal fire, right? And this is the Our Lady's scapular promise: Whoever dies wearing the scapular shall not suffer eternal <laughs> fire. Now, that's because whoever's wearing the scapular should be living the life that will keep them from the eternal fire. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's not to say that the scapular is a magical amulet that is just going to magically keep you right out right. of the fires of hell. Right. Uh, the same thing uh, back uh, four and a half years ago, almost five years ago, now when we were selling our house, um, we had the, the statue of St. Joseph and you're supposed to take the statue of St. Joseph and bury him in front of the house, upside down, facing the front door. And I'm just looking at this going, yeah, th- this is way too superstitious for me. Right. We did. We, well, I've heard of St. Joseph's statue buried upside down. I didn't yeah. know it was out in front and facing uh, the door. Yeah. I'm, I've done it before. I think when we had the house, when we first bought it, we did it. I know we did it with my dad's and stuff and it sold. And I know it's, but it's become very secularized, hasn't it? I think there's well, real estate agents that uh, don't even know what. They don't even know who St. Joseph is. Yeah, who St. Right. Joseph is. Yeah. Right. And yeah, that's where you start falling into the pitfall of it being superstition so, yeah. where Very I think careful. it's okay to have, the statue of St. Joseph, and it's okay Absolutely. to pray the novena to St. Joseph, asking for the quick sale of your home, for example, right. as long as you remain open to the will of God throughout. Mm-hmm. So St. Joseph, please help us to sell our home in God's time. In God's time. Yeah. Right. But I do love the sacramentals. I mean, Padre Pio, there's when I'm going to my parents' house, as we sell the house now, and we've got Padre Pio, you know, little statues of Joseph and of Mary and you know, well, I know beautiful I, reminders of the faith, right? Oh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I was going to say, I know yes. you love the sacramentals because you got the rosary dangling from your rear view mirror. That's right. Right. And yes. get that off the roof of your mirror and into your hand and pray that my friend. <laughs> right. You can always, somebody told me that you can always tell the Catholic cars, right? Cause they have the rosaries dangling from dangling from the rear view mirror. That's why they never get broken into because Catholics really have nothing of value or they have nothing of value according to the world. That's right. In in the car. Materialistic value. You're absolutely right. But uh, again, as long as it's not hanging there as a superstition to protect you from car accidents. Right. But more again, as a reminder to ask for God's grace to keep you safe while you're traveling. Mm -hmm. 
two different Absolutely. things. Absolutely. Yep. Two different things. Well, sir, I, I just noticed as you time were- Time has flown once uh, again. Yeah, the time has flown once again, that your hourglass is empty. And because Yours? my because I like to blah, 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 and blather on for Let a while, see. it's almost empty. You've never beaten me in like the last few months. The last time you beat me, I think I was off the show for a couple of months. That's <laughs> more more than likely. More than likely. Good to be but, back, Robert. But the time has flown by. Oh, no, the time has flown. Yeah, your glass. I'm, is I'm just, working on it. You're working on it. You're working on the sticks in the street. Sticks in the road. Sticks in the middle. Sticks in the middle. The See, that's been, middle, an hour, it's been an hour. It's been an hour, and I've already forgotten. But once again. Robert, it's always a pleasure, both the pint and the conversation we've just had for the past hour. Yeah, especially the pint. The sticks in the middle has been nice and smooth and going down nicely. Yeah, but it's always a pleasure to talk about our faith as well. Very true. Very true. And just before we wrap up, Dennis, perhaps there's one small favor we could ask of our listeners. Yeah, if you could take a moment, a quick moment, and a couple of clicks to follow the Pints and Pews podcast on your favorite platform and give us a review. And while you're at it, give us a like on Facebook and drop us a line there or at pintsandpews at gmail.com. We always enjoy hearing from our listeners. Yes, absolutely. And we'll chat again very soon, Robert. God willing, Dennis. And until then, why don't you remind our listeners of the wise words of G.K. Chesterton. In Catholicism, the pint, the pipe, and the cross can all fit together. God bless. 